welcome to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star, a young adult literature podcast, their film and television adaptations, and everything in between. I'm Joe. And I'm Brenna. And our show is created on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee, the Huron-Wendat, and the Anishinaabe on lands connected to the Toronto Purchase Treaty 13 of 1805. And on the Tecumloops Te Shwetmik territory within the unceded traditional lands of Shwetmik Ulu. And today's text, Nerve, is set in Seattle, the traditional home of the Coast Salish, Stalaguamish, Duwamish, Muckleshoot, and Squamish peoples. The film version is set in and around Staten Island, the traditional home of the Muncie Lenape peoples. And interestingly, Joe, the film is way more interested in place than the book is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, not not a lot of... Not a lot of representation either way. No, this is very much white people be having problems because of the internet. (laughs) I gotta tell you, Joe, this, this might be one of the worst books we've ever read. I was definitely counting. I was thinking, okay, we've got the Wattpad contenders. Yeah. But both of those are amateur writers who were kind of plucked from obscurity. I don't know anything about Ryan, but um, girl, find yourself an editor and maybe don't submit a manuscript after the first draft. I mean, this is a traditionally published novel, which mm-hmm. I kept having to remind myself of. Plus, I was reading an ebook, so I was like, is this a traditionally published novel? And I'm not saying <laughs> you can't have crap published traditionally. Obviously, we've seen lots of contenders, but. What's fascinating about this book, as we'll get into when we talk about it more, is like, it's structurally poor. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. this really needed the hand of a careful editor. And um, yeah, I didn't get it. And to the point of like, normally we see these kinds of structural problems on like, an author's second or third outing of like a big money series where it's almost Mm -hmm. like no editor wants to touch it for fear of like, ruining the magic. I don't Mm -hmm. get what's going on here, but uh, (laughs) wow. (laughs) Yeah, folks, if you haven't picked up, we are not super fans of this book. (laughs) I was trying to figure out if I should give it a little bit of extra leeway because it is a thriller, right? And Mm -hmm. in that regard, it is a super fast read. I plowed through this in maybe a day and a half. And there's something to be said for the way that thrillers operate, right? You know, it's all about speed and combustion, less about the characters, more about the action and the plot. But even that, I thought of the Gretchen McNeil novels that I've read, and we're going to read One of Us is Lying a little bit later on this year. And I mean, that book isn't going to win prizes compared to somebody like Aiden Chambers from a couple of weeks ago. But in terms of what it's doing as a YA thriller, it's very well put together. The characters are fleshed out. They have motivations. I didn't know what was going on in this book a lot. And it's like, it's not complicated, but I was just like, I don't really know anything about these people. No, and I think like, as we've talked about on the show before, I I don't love a scary book, but I do usually really enjoy a thriller i'm Mm -hmm. you know i was a big fan of the original like stig larson books i really Mm -hmm. i like that sort of like kind of gaspy sort of what's gonna happen next kind of vibe right and i think part of the frustration in this book is you put up with a lot of setup assuming that you're gonna get to that vibe and then it never really pays off and (laughs) it has a lot to do with the way the stakes are set up. So anyway, I'm going to give a plot summary and then we can dig into all the things that this book does wrong. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then talk about the much better film, thankfully. (laughs) much better film. I will say it's funny because Joe sort of pitched this as like fun. And the film is very fun. But I was like halfway through the book and I was like, what if Joe liked this book? What will I do? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the podcast will have to end because we we just cannot meet in the middle on this. (laughs) Not on this one. Um, Okay, so our... It also, Joe, it is a heck of a lot of whiplash after Aiden Chambers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, it's a lot of whiplash. Okay. So our protagonist is V. It's short for Venus, which is a weird reveal at the end of the book that I don't understand why it's a reveal. But Couldn't it have is. cared. Couldn't have cared. <laughs> nope. And it like it's a secret all through the book. And then at the end, she's like, "My name is Venus." And I was like, "Oh." And okay. <laughs> um. 
And so V is the sort of backstage stage manager type character in a school play. I did love that it was set around theater kids because Mm -hmm. I do recognize all of those personalities. And it's helpful for Jean Ryan to do that because she's not interested in building characters. So having just like some stock types is useful and it does carry the beginning of the text along. Yes. Yeah. I didn't hate the beginning of this. I actually thought that it was reasonable given that we're dealing with high school seniors and then it's just as it goes on i think oh you've got nothing else okay (laughs) so v has spent her whole life backstage and that's sort of a metaphor for how she feels Uh about her whole life um she's always been this backstage character and i guess joe i want to give a brief content warning for like cavalier discussion of suicide in this Mm -hmm. book there's a very weird motivating piece of the story that continues to not make any sense to me no absolutely not so folks to set the stage v is currently serving a grounding by her parents so she's allowed to do makeup and stage manage this play but she has to be home at at a strict curfew every day and it is because her parents are effectively punishing her because she fell asleep studying in her car and they interpreted it as an attempt to die by suicide It is weird that she put the car in the garage and ran it. Anyway, whether or not it was a concrete attempt, you don't, we don't know because Ryan is not remotely interested in discussing it further. So that is all you get. And so all Mm -hmm. you know about these parents are that they think their child tried to kill Mm themselves, and so they grounded her. Yes. It's a very weird family dynamic doesn't make a lick of sense no no it doesn't because it's not unpacked it's not like this is sort of an mo for these parents who just like they're in over their heads they don't really know how to parent like there's none of that being unpacked it's just why wouldn't you just say she's been grounded for something stupid like she and sydney her best friend who is more popular gregarious outgoing they stayed out too late one night and the parents got really worried so they've grounded her until further notice like just leave it at that Well, you know why, Joe. And the reason is to set up one of the dares later on, where she is again trapped inside fake, maybe real carbon monoxide. Who could tell? The book isn't interested in letting us know any details. Oh, boy. Um, So V has always been backstage. She wants this more exciting life for herself. There is this game show running online called Nerve. Mm-hmm. where you have to complete dares to win prizes and the dares escalate as the prizes escalate and it seems like pretty much everyone they know is playing it but also it's a secret which again mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i don't understand also a vibe from the movie that doesn't really quite work like literally everybody in the world knows about this thing but also yes. it's a secret well but it makes sense <laughs> in the world of the film because it's set in new york where you think well the population is big enough that you could hypothetically get away with this the book is set in seattle i yeah, recognize that's... that seattle's not a small city but it's also you know if every teenager is playing this game <laughs> adults are gonna figure it out pretty darn quickly yeah it's just it's sort of a weird thing like i don't really get it as a conceit anyway because surely surely the intention of this book is to critique like reality tv yes Mm -hmm, and online cultures and so if you're doing that if that's the goal then adults should be aware of it and like just passing it off as just like something kids are up to do you know what i mean like the Mm -hmm. conceit doesn't serve the larger purpose of the book but again i don't think ryan cares (laughs) so no because we're just supposed to have shadowy figures because you can sign up to play or you can sign up to watch and watchers will film and make sure that the dares are being properly executed and really what ryan is interested in getting at is oh well you shouldn't trust people because they may also be secret watchers Anyway, it's weird. So V signs up and she does a couple of dares with Tommy, another kind of backstage kid as her sidekick ally, videographer. Mm-hmm. He's in love with her, obviously. Oh, yeah, he's in love whatever. with her, obviously. Um, as the dares escalate, V gets thrown together with another contestant, Ian, uh, and they, they take on a bunch of these dares together. And eventually they end up like trapped in a room for the finals with a bunch of other contestants. Mm-hmm. And who suck. Yeah, none of them are interesting people at all. Um, In this final round, they are all given guns, and they're Mm -hmm. trying to get 
the show seems to be trying to spook them into shooting each other. And then yes. V realizes that there's probably like front row seats behind this curtain. So she uses a table to smash the door down or the wall down. And then she so exciting. escapes Ooh. and it's so exciting. It's it goes not on forever. Exciting. Half the book is just them locked <laughs> in this room and then trying to break out of it. And who could care? And they escape and they go down to this like... It's like a dance club, I guess, where she realizes that people have been watching this happen in real time. And she's like, oh, my God, how could you people watch us do this? And then it turns out that Tommy was betraying them, apparently. Mm -hmm. But then two pages later, they forgive they him forgive because him. he works to try to expose who was running the whole game. Ugh. Yes. And then V and Ian are like, we quit. And then they're like, now we run in the woods and we're in love, I guess, for some reason. And then at the end of the book, there's a signal that there's another dare. Mm -hmm. <gasps> the most surprising thing about this book is that there aren't 18 <laughs> sequels because it feels like <laughs> that's what it's trying to set up. It's, it's I was true. shocked that there, there are no more. Yeah. I thought that there would be a dozen more for sure. I agree. I also was surprised at that because, yeah, it has that exact vibe that it's setting up the same story to happen 900 more times. Mm -hmm. And I'm really not sure why, because obviously, I mean, it was successful enough. Yeah. But uh, I'm glad that it doesn't because then they couldn't make any more sequels and I wouldn't have to read any more of these books. <laughs> there we go. So let's talk about some of these dares, because Ugh. this book isn't that old, but holy cow, do we want to do a bunch of shaming of people who have, let's say, more family-oriented values, but yep. also sex workers? We're just shaming everybody. I found the most egregious scene to be the scene on the quote-unquote stroll. Mm -hmm. So one of the dares is that for... I don't know what she's going for, shoes or a dress or something. She has to go down to the sort of sex worker district and she has to ask for $100 for herself, mm -hmm. which is much more than the going rate of other women in this area. Right. And it's horrible. It's, it's super awful. judgmental. It's, yeah. it's very shamey, but it's also just rooted in like – just gross stereotypes about mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what what sort of street sex work looks like um god there's a pimp character like mm -hmm. the whole thing is just really this is what a suburban white lady imagines street level sex work looks like yep and as a result it's super uncomfortable and for me it makes v just a very unsympathetic character in those scenes and ian as well but i find ian pretty unsympathetic <laughs> generally yeah, I I wonder, do you think that this is supposed to be a reflection of how little V has lived, that she doesn't have a better understanding? Because she doesn't even seem to know that that's what part of town they are. Like, so one of the recurring things is that nerve is all powerful. So they've managed to block her phone so that she can't call anyone and no one can call her when she's doing the dares. So she can't even like look up where they're going. They just get directions that they need to go here and do this thing. And in part, I thought, well, maybe she's just such a sheltered suburban kid that the book is trying to say, oh, you know, it's not just about her breaking out of her low stakes lifestyle, but also she's learning a bit more about the world. But I think that's also me being very generous. I think you are being generous only because it doesn't really seem to me like the book is interested in critiquing V at all here. Like V mm. is very much the kind of innocent in these scenes. And, you know, she's like, oh God, one of the sex workers almost like quote unquote scratches her eyes out. Like it's all just very, just like an 80s movie about a sex worker kind of mm -hmm. level understanding. And like, I really think that, yeah, I just think, I don't think the book is interested in critiquing V here. And that's a missed opportunity, I guess. Because yeah. in general, I think like, I think that this could be a book about a sheltered kid suddenly being thrown into the world. Mm -hmm. But it's not. <laughs> no. And I don't really know how to describe the ways that it's not, except that, I don't know, there are all these interesting opportunities. Like, 
Of course Tommy is in love with V, and of course Tommy turns out to be secretly a bad guy because Tommy is, like, a sheltered nerd. Right? And he's creepy. I was waiting for the twist of the book where Ian is the bad guy. Like, that's Mm. the twist I was waiting for the whole time that never comes. And instead you just get this very, like, Tommy's jealous of Ian. Mm -hmm. You know? I don't know. He can fake any video. Apparently, apparently it's 2012 and Tommy can make deep fake videos. Like, yes. why? Because it's useful to the plot. <laughs> and also because apparently the internet is the scariest thing that we can fathom <laughs> for today's teenagers. Because really, mm-hmm. this book is terrified about how much information people are sharing on their whatever fictitious platform Gene Ryan has created for the book. But honestly it feels like one of those cautionary tales that older people write when they don't understand what's going on with the youths of america right (laughs) it's you know oh she needs to be careful what she asks for because it's not just that she's trying to get out of her shell and get out from under the shadow of sydney the you know the more outgoing prettier friend it's that she is embarked on this thing that she doesn't understand and it could kill her So Douglas Copeland has this theory about when we make up fake brand names for things. Mm -hmm. People do it in in literature all the time, right? We always have like fake names for social networks. And Copeland's position is that if you're writing modern fiction, if you're writing contemporary fiction about contemporary life, that is always going to pull people out of the reality of the moment, right? Mm -hmm. And so now Copeland takes it to extremes in his fiction. Like you will know exactly what like model of MacBook a character is working on. But right. (laughs) But it was really brought home to me in this because she makes up all these social networks and like online tools and things. Mm -hmm. The film, I know we're not talking about the film yet, but the film is so much closer to reality just by virtue of the fact that it uses the real tools it uses it's google and it's facebook and it's facetime and it's like Mm -hmm. all the real stuff because you know what like there are significant privacy issues with all of these tools right when you aren't like willing to say the names of these things it really softens your critique like quite a lot and i think that ultimately it just makes it feel like yeah, I guess that that Ryan is out of touch, that she doesn't really know what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. And the fact, too, that V becomes like this, like, quote unquote, crusader at the end. But she's not a crusader for, like, internet privacy legislation. No. <laughs> she's not a crusader for, like, better online practices. She's a crusader specifically against nerve. Like, yes. so, again, that undoes the whole satire, right? By making it all about this one fictional company that's doing all this bad stuff instead mm-hmm. of the reality that, yeah, the profile that nerve puts together about her could be put together about most of us based on what we share online, right? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And I don't know if it's just because we were living in a different age, like this book is 10 years old. So Mm -hmm. obviously things have changed. And part of this is that, oh, you know, even back in 2012, issues around privacy and access that corporations had to our personal information and how it can be used against us is a very valid and alarming critique. Here's the thing. If you go into this book looking for any kind of messaging along those lines, you're going to be really disappointed. And it's probably unfair of us to expect it because this is a YA thriller, right? Mm -hmm. It's a paperback read that you might breeze through while you're waiting for your flight at the airport. Mm -hmm. And I would allow it that if it were written well or if it had (laughs) characters I cared about. Like... (laughs) We wouldn't have to have these conversations if it was doing its job effectively as a thriller, Mm -hmm. because we would be able to focus on that. But because it's not, we're just left like, oh, well, honestly, she could have tried anything to have made this book more memorable. Yeah, it's interesting. This probably came out just around the same time as um, Dave Eggers' The Circle, which is obviously a novel for adults, but it's doing very Mm -hmm. similar things about like the reach of the social network and... I also didn't like that book, incidentally, but okay. <laughs> but it's interesting that we we seemed to be really obsessed with it around that time period. Like we had all these questions as mm-hmm. a society, and so I think that's part of it too. Is like these aren't sort of hypothetical fears that Ryan is introducing into the ethos. These are mm-hmm. like very real concerns that people were beginning to negotiate, and so for yes. her to take them so unseriously mm-hmm. and also 
not entertain us. (laughs) (laughs) It's a double failure. It's too much. (laughs) One or the other, Ryan. One or the other. (laughs) Okay, well, let's transition over and talk about the film because it comes only four years (laughs) later and yet it somehow feels so much more timely and Mm -hmm. relevant. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Nerve, a game like Truth or Dare, minus the truth. Watchers pay to watch, players play to win, cash and glory. Are you a watcher or a player? Are you a watcher or a player? Are you a watcher or player? Watch player. It's cool, right? This looks very sketchy. <laughs> is this legal? Be. Life is passing you by. You need to take a few risks every once in a while. I do take risks. Okay. You're playing Nerve. Do you accept your derby? Kiss a stranger a for five stranger. seconds. <gasps> Just kiss that guy. Apparently, the Watchers want me to team up with you. I don't think I'd make a very good partner. Stay. Let's see what else happens. Okay. Is that me? Do you know where I can find this dress? My wallet, my clothes, everything's gone. No, my stuff is gone too. Look, we don't have a choice. Technically, it just says we have to leave the store. Okay, so this film, as I mentioned, comes out in 2016. It is from a pair of directors, Henry Joost and Ariel Shulman. They... They're the catfish people. They are the catfish people. Yes, uh-huh. they are that and also Paranormal Activity 3. And oh. I was surprised. Rised, but then I realize, oh, that's why I'm so attracted to the visual sensibilities mm. of this film. Because I think it's super engaging just on a visual level alone. Like the aesthetics of this film, I think, are really vibrant and exciting. And that helps to get you over some of the speed bumps where the film doesn't quite work. I agree. It is really visually fun to watch. If you like the color blue, this movie will make you happy. Everything <laughs> is blue all the time. Or neon, any kind of neon lighting. I've never seen New York look like a dance club like this. (laughs) It's a very visually lively film to watch, which you're Mm -hmm. right. It does carry you through because I would say, well, Joe and I have both kind of talked about this off air. Like the first two acts are great and they're super fun and they're super engaging. And then it really kind of falls off. Yeah, craps the bed a bit. (laughs) You can sort of forgive it a little bit because it's still really fun to look at. Mm -hmm. Well, and ironically enough, the ending, I think, is the closest that the film comes to properly adapting Ryan's book. Mm. (laughs) So maybe I'm not surprised that it doesn't work all that well. (laughs) Careful, she's a producer on this. She might be listening. This is true. This is true. (laughs) So the writer of the film is Jessica Scherzer. And Scherzer has an interesting career. She's done a certain amount of television. So she's written for things like The L Word. But then also... We've got uh, films like Dirty Dancing, the 2017 remake, as well. Uh, that one's not good. But A Simple Favor, which is the Paul Feig uh, film that is with Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively. And that one's a really clever, feminist-oriented con woman film. Mm, cool. Uh, and also some of the best modern costuming I've seen in films in maybe a decade. Mm, neat. Yeah. So, okay, I think one of the other things that the film does really well is that it casts, and Brenna, you're going to come at me for this because I know you disagree, but I think it casts two fantastic leads for these performances. I texted Joe last night because, I'll go ahead, say who they are, and then I'll give you my synopsis. (laughs) (laughs) So we have Emma Roberts as V, and then we have Dave Franco as Ian. I have been on the fence about Dave Franco for some time. I've seen him in a lot of stuff as a supporting mm-hmm. actor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, like from Superbad to Charlie St. Cloud. I actually liked his season of Scrubs, even though literally no one else on the planet did. So yeah, I'm not you're like, alone in that. I'm not like anti Dave Franco, but what I did realize watching this movie is I don't like him as a leading man. I like him as a supporting character when he can be kind of quirky and like offbeat. Hmm. When he's playing the leading man, and particularly when he's playing a cool guy, 
I, I texted this to Joe last night. He reminds me so much of every boy I've ever had to fail in academic writing, no matter how hard I tried, because he just <laughs> would not hand anything in. That's Dave Franco as a leading man to me, and I just I can't get past it. Like, there's something about him I don't enjoy. <laughs> You're bringing so much personal investment into this. <laughs> I am interested and perplexed. And but I found Emma Roberts delightful. I really enjoyed her in this role. I always do. Yeah. I mean, regardless of whether you really enjoy Franco as a lead, it works that these two have really good chemistry. They, they are both exploding off the screen in terms of charisma and commitment to these roles, even though, again, we don't really know that much about either of them because it's a YA thriller. So we're kind of on the move the whole time. But there's enough there and they are fully committed to these performances. So I am along for the ride the whole time. The cast itself is a very almost like a YA who's who of recent mm -hmm. years, right? Like we see so many familiar faces. Um, and I think they're all actually doing a really good job with it. Like, there was no character here who I was like, "Well, you suck." Like yeah. I think they're all doing a they're all doing a good job and it's kind of fun in that like I like movies where when I'm watching it, I immediately want to go check the Wikipedia page to see what else the person's been in. Like that level mm -hmm. of recognition of characters I find very pleasurable. So like, you know, we've got faces here that we've seen before in 13 Reasons Why and in Orange yep. is the New Black and it's just, I don't know, it's kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's Miles Heiser as Tommy from 13 Reasons Why. And then Samira Wiley is a hacker. <laughs> Her name is Hacker Queen. <laughs> hacker Queen. Yeah, I don't think that the movie understands hacking. It seems to understand internet. social media. But yeah, the, <laughs> the dark web and how easy it is to get onto as a teenager. You just go to www.darkweb.aruba. Yes. <laughs> That's how you get to the dark web. And Brenda didn't make that up. That's literally in the film. <laughs> <laughs> we also have Emily Mead as Sydney. She is much more combative and sexualized in the film. And mm -hmm. I actually think it's a bit of a stronger choice to make her more of a proper adversary. The fight doesn't make sense in the book, but it makes sense in the film because of that. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, Sydney in the film is a much more active player. She isn't trying to get on nerve. She has been on nerve for a while. Mm -hmm. And she feels very insecure and jealous of V's extreme popularity right out of the gate, because she's used to V taking a backseat in her life. Mm -hmm. And I actually think one of the film's missteps is that they try to repair the relationship between V and Sydney, as opposed to just acknowledging that Sydney's probably not a very nice person and they're not good friends yeah i agree it that is part of the third act sort of collapse that mm -hmm. happens which is that for some reason sydney rides to the rescue of v without any reason to um without yeah, they, any sort they of just makeup. patch things up after having a colossal blowout where v is very publicly overheard and taped talking crap about sydney mm -hmm. And then Sydney deals her a bunch of stuff about her dead brother because the, the one of the best things that the film does is instead of having V inadvertently maybe try to die by suicide, it is that she has an older brother who died before mm -hmm. he went to college. So she has a single mother played by Juliette Lewis, who is extremely overprotective of her. And I think it just it makes it so much easier to just buy into and go along with. Juliet Lewis has the best line in the movie, mm -hmm. which is when she's in the room with all the quote unquote the hackers. hackers. She says, <laughs> You guys are the dumbest bunch of smart kids I've ever met. Right. And the Georgia Strait used that line to summarize this movie as the dumbest smart movie you'll ever watch. And I do mm. kind of feel like it's very apt because there are parts of yeah. it that are like really clever and satirical and interesting and parts of it where you're like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, this movie is dumb as nails, but also super fun. And a whole bunch of it actually really works well. Before we leave the cast, I want to give a shout out to Kimiko Glenn as Liv, who mm -hmm. I always find very magnetic on screen. But I particularly love her in this absolute shoot disturbing mm -hmm. role um, because really all she does is wind sydney up right like yep. she makes sure that sydney knows exactly what v is doing on nerve all the time and that v is doing better than sydney and like mm -hmm. 
I don't know. That's a hard character to play and still be really charming to watch. And I really enjoyed her. She doesn't have a lot to do, but what she does, no. she does really well. Yeah. And, and this is obviously the other cast member from Orange is the New Black. She and Samira yes. Wiley don't share any scenes together, unfortunately. But yeah, uh, Kamiko Gunn, I think, is a fantastic actress. And I really, I don't know that it would have fit in this movie because I don't think the character... It would be hard to justify the film giving this character more to do because mm-hmm. I think it just takes away from Ian and V. But I would love to see Kamiko Glenn headline a film yes, in the future. She's magnetic to watch. Like she draws your attention and she draws your mm-hmm. attention away even from V and Ian, even with how good their chemistry is. So I yeah. like I you're right. I get why they don't use her much, but she's fantastic. The other yeah. thing that's interesting and one of the ways that you can tell this film knows exactly what it's doing in terms of its sort of critique of social media and our global capacity for watching mm-hmm. is that two of the players are YouTubers, like real life YouTubers. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. So Casey Neistat is a, like a YouTuber prank guy. And mm-hmm. Chloe Weiss is, I don't think she would define herself as a YouTuber. She's like an, she's an artist um, and she's Canadian. But yeah, really. so those two characters are put in as, players as a real sort of nod to like nervous kind of set in the near future and by including those two characters as themselves you get this very near future vibe which i think is really effective mm-hmm. and i think that's one of the things that joust and showman end up leaning into in the visuals so it's a movie that takes place all in one night and a lot of the movie takes place at night as well. So mm-hmm. we get to emphasize the colors, the lighting. There's a bit of an adrenaline rush, right? You know, the game is called Nerve, but really you could just as easily say, oh, this movie is called Adrenaline because <laughs> I think the film makes a smarter decision instead of doing a lot of sexualized dares, which is what the purpose of the book seems to be. It's mm-hmm. more about getting people to take on increasingly dangerous stunts And instead of having personally tailored gifts, it's all cash prizes that get deposited directly into your information, which I think is also scarier for Mm -hmm. everyday audiences because it means that they know your banking information. I don't for a second believe that they could take money out of your account once it Mm -hmm. goes in, but (laughs) basically Juliet Lewis just spends the whole movie going, why is there random (laughs) dollar figures going into this bank account? Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's a bunch of interesting choices here, right? The bank account is literally called, like, Nancy and V's joint account. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, okay, like, okay. <laughs> I, I buy her keeping tabs on her daughter's finances. I don't actually buy an adult woman and her teenage daughter having a joint checking account. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, no, it, you're right. It's spookier, it's scarier, and also it means that the, the energy that Nerve spends on personalizing in the film isn't about personalizing the prizes, but it's about personalizing the dares to make them as terrifying as possible for Mm -hmm. the contestant. So the famous one is that Sydney, we're told like from the beginning of the movie is afraid of heights. It's like her only weakness. She's, she doesn't do the top of the pyramid in cheer because she's afraid of heights. And so of course her dare is to put a ladder between two buildings, which I feel like we just saw in insurgent by the way, and it went horribly wrong in that movie. It's true. Just don't do the stunt, folks. (laughs) Um, And she has to run between the two buildings, and she fails to do it, and that's what kicks her out of the competition. What ultimately destroys Sydney's relationship with V for about two and a half minutes is that V takes over the dare and does it successfully Mm -hmm. and almost without breaking a sweat. And so this sense that, like, V has always been in Sydney's shadow and there's this very, like, concrete reversal of that. But Mm -hmm. all of that happens because the dares are so deeply personal and it, to me, it's a lot scarier to think of a company using my social media profile to prey on my deepest insecurities and fears than it is right. to find out what I want to own. I mean, my social media profiles do that all day long right now. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's not that we're scary. already there. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that's an interesting piece, too, because in the book, the dares are coming from Nerve headquarters. So there's this extended piece in the climax where we learn that there's a really rich dude who is helping to fund the game. And in theory, that means that they are contributing to the types of dare. So this group of rich people wanted to see teenagers pull guns on each other and maybe shoot each other. Whereas in the film, 
all of the dares are crowdsourced. So it'd be like Brenna's in the game. And then somebody who knows Brenna says, she's afraid of heights. Let's make her do a dare that involves heights. So mm -hmm. it, it's not just weaponizing your public facing social media profiles, but also the network. Yeah, it's making your friends and other people who are watching far more complicit, which is a way harsher critique. And even though I don't like the ending, which ends up replicating the exact same thing from the book where they're in a coliseum and there's all these anonymous people watching and they have to pull guns on each other and shoot each other. It makes the critique of, oh, we are all complicit in watching this and sort of doing the panopticon idea of who's watching you and are you in the center or like, are you a prisoner or are you a guard? That much more savvy. Yeah, I agree. It's a shame that that savvy critique comes in the middle of just absolute word salad about, about mm -hmm. hacking and how computers work. Yeah. Like, it's, I just, I, could movies stop trying to be about hacking? Like, <laughs> could we all just agree that Hollywood has tried and it can't do it and it it's not allowed anymore to try <laughs> Well, or or hire a consultant and yeah. maybe don't ever suggest that teenagers could be at this level. It's a wild... Okay, so for those who haven't seen the film, what happens in the third act is we... <laughs> Sorry. Okay. What happens in the third act is that we find out that the game is open source, which for some <laughs> reason in the movie is an evil thing. Like open source software is very evil and scary. And so because it's open source, Tommy can hack into the game live. Mm -hmm. And then it's, it's quote unquote, so open source software is quote unquote like Wikipedia mm -hmm. because you make your edits and then all the rest of the hackers vote on whether to keep your edits to the game or not. But mm -hmm. also there's a botnet and the botnet can veto your changes but mm -hmm. also nerve has like people in the botnet but also doesn't when it's convenient for that to not be the case anymore <laughs> well the hackers have their own botnet as well it's just this incoherent mess and samira wiley keeps referring to herself as hacker queen with a k and it's just like it's a lot joe mm -hmm. it's a lot and it's it's one of those things right like I get why the 50-something exec greenlit this finale and was like, kids are going to love this. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but oh, like... yeah. My 15-year-old my daughter will love watching this on the big screen. <laughs> and in fact, you know, there's a part where I think the film believes that it's actually being very critical and, you know, very scary, where we see a kind of montage of the final battle beginning in this coliseum, and the video gets pushed to all the people who are watching Nerve, and you see it's girls at a slumber party, and it's a family yes. in their modern downtown condo, and it's and and people, it's people on the train platform, <laughs> somebody at work watching it on their work computer, and you're just like... <laughs> yes yeah that's how the and, internet works <laughs> and yeah it so it's very very stupid and very very <laughs> silly and it it is frustrating because so much of the rest of the film has done a really great job of keeping the focus on v and ian and what the contest is doing to them and how you can form chemistry with somebody on the run and yeah, playing off of the, the actual legitimate fears that we have of social media, which is that they will data mine your personality and then make you do things that you didn't want to do. Like, that's compelling enough. I don't need a gladiator showdown with yeah. Hacker Queen nonsense. Well, and the thing, I'm just, I'm looking at our texts from last night, Joe, and I was watching it. I'm like, I'm very into it. Poor Joe. I live tweet mm -hmm. him while I'm watching these movies. So. <laughs> it's true. At like midnight my time. <laughs> Brenna, I'm trying to go to bed. Stop talking <laughs> no, about Hacker Queen. You can't. Um, and I was really, I was like really into how the dares are really well shot. It's tense. Yes. Like those are the times mm -hmm. when the thriller works the best. I don't like the height stairs at all. I'm Ooh, like. That blindfold, the yes! hit 60 on a motorcycle blindfolded. Oh, Whoa. Yeah, 
they're scary and they're shot so well and they're really tense. Mm-hmm. And like at one point I texted Joe because I was literally horizontal in bed watching the movie and the heights scenes were so intense that my legs still turned to jello even though I wasn't mm-hmm. using them for anything. <laughs> it's really well done. And I was in after yes. my uh, monologue about Dave Franco, I was in. Mm-hmm. And then there's the moment when it's basically the moment when she gets punched in the face and she becomes a prisoner of the game. Yep. That's where everything really falls apart. And like, mm-hmm. unfortunately, the the stupidness, the like incoherence of the hacking subplot really takes away from how effective the film is up to that point. Like the film is really good fun with an interesting sort of satirical underpinning mm-hmm. and then it just i mean yeah. i would just and then my text evolve into just making fun of it <laughs> yeah it really just woofs it and it is so disappointing because every time i try to get people on board with this this is a hard sell for a lot of folks because the trailer is not well cut it gives you a good sense of what it's about but it makes it look very dumb like oh i wouldn't want to watch that it doesn't look good mm. and It's doing such a disservice to both the directors as well as Roberts and Franco. And then, yeah, you've got to explain to people, well, it's actually really, really good until it completely falls apart. (laughs) It totally does. I do want to say one thing about the visuals, Joe, that it really reminded me of... Do you remember how revolutionary sherlock felt the bbc Mm -hmm. reboot of sherlock felt when we were watching the text messages like come up on the screen and Mm -hmm. like the london underground system or the maps like if you've never seen sherlock the vibe is that you're like inside sherlock's head and it's like a computer so you're you're processing as he's processing but you're getting this visual reference to it and like text messages flashing up on the screen that distract him and like I loved that. When I watched the first Mm -hmm. season of Sherlock, I was like, finally a show that is trying to represent what it feels like to like be in front of screens all day, like what Mm -hmm. that does to like your brain, right? And this also gets it. Like I really enjoyed the perspective from inside the phone screen. So you're looking, it's as if you're in the character's phone looking at them. So A, terrible perspective nobody looks good through (laughs) through a phone screen um but you're seeing like these windows flash up and i don't know it could have been cheesy but it's not it's really really effective and i found it really compelling and so that's an interesting disjuncture too right between how well the film understands how it feels to be hyper connected Mm -hmm. and how it feels to be like in a social media web all the time and how it represents that and how much it doesn't understand the rest of the internet, basically. Yeah, yeah. You only use 10% of the internet, Joe, according to Tommy. Oh my goodness. (laughs) It's so incongruous with the front half of the film. It it makes me wonder if this was studio-demanded rewrites and edits or something, because it just, it feels like the movie loses its freaking brain, because it's so smart in the first two acts, And you're absolutely right. I mean, I I referenced the fact that these directors were responsible for Paranormal Activity 3, which is fantastic at crafting jump scares and keeping the tension high. And you mentioned Catfish, which is a fantastic documentary feel Mm -hmm. satire about the way social media and the internet works. And I feel like those sensibilities really come together in the visual output of this film because you're right like I love analyzing how films represent both social media but also text messages and how they incorporate things like found footage and like different shooting styles and so on and I think this film works so well because they're really negotiating all of those intersections in a smart savvy very contemporary and kind of hip way right and then the end of it just doesn't match any of that and it feels so stupid like the shift from social media to dark web (laughs) just absolutely causes the film to fall off a cliff and i think you needed to stick with what you were good at this is the last thing i'm going to say about it because i i don't want to beat the point to death but right um my, my favorite bit is that the place where they go to meet all the hackers who by the way all hang out together in the same physical location mm-hmm, because the fbi wouldn't raid that place in a hot <laughs> second no. it's an amazing representation of the dark web just a bunch of teenagers in the back of what appears to be a coffee shop mm. it's called the cloud and it's the fastest internet in new york city stop <laughs> it stop it <laughs> 
unfair to this movie that the only quotes I have retained verbatim are all the bad parts. Yeah, how dare you? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, well, why don't we play some YA bingo with this? Yes, please. Bingo! Not a good bingo. All right, what have you got? So I'm going to give Netflix connection for all the faces from both Orange is the New Black and 13 Mm. Reasons Why. Okay, I like it. Obviously, perfect date. Yeah. I, God love a movie that doesn't trust you right at the end. Mm-hmm. That was a great first date. Yeah, okay. All right. We got it. <laughs> As <laughs> the sun is coming up, it's picture yeah. as New York. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to argue for road trip. A, yes, because they absolutely. do the whole thing on their motorcycles, but also the road trip that Tommy takes from Staten Island to Manhattan to, to hack his friend mm-hmm. safe. Oh, and so many loving shots of the bridges going over yeah. into New York. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It really is. And it's actually shot in New York City. It's not like, oh, look at this beautiful landscape of suburban Vancouver that's being New York. It's actually shot in New York and you can yeah. tell it's a real vibe. Oh, 100%. I, I had to look it up because I was like, they are doing such a good job of disguising Toronto. Oh, it's New York for real. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I did the same thing because that last scene on the waterfront could very much be the right. um, the waterfront in New Westminster. And I was like, oh, maybe that's like just down the street from where I lived when we started the podcast. That would be a fun bit. No. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. <laughs> I think we have strong Chosen One vibes with V. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because she's set up as this character who is you know, mousy and everybody overlooks her, but Mm -hmm. she instantly becomes like the most successful nerve character contestant ever. So Oh, right. Okay. The one to break it all down. Exactly. And uh, yeah, it's the other thing. She's the only one with enough personal integrity to actually end the game too. And Mm -hmm. come up with that weird plot that she doesn't even tell Ian about, which is interesting. Yeah, she just recruits Machine Gun Kelly to come in and like, (laughs) oh, shoot a blank at me. It's fine. It's fine. My boyfriend won't mind. Right. Um, obviously, we've got a ton of montages. Like the whole uh, movie is a series of montages strung together. Basically, absolutely. I'm gonna give a shout out to musicality because this soundtrack yes. is a banger, and they use it, it well. Is. They do. It is. Um, I'm gonna give "Dead Body, Dead Family" for the mm-hmm. brother. Yeah. 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 No, I I so prefer it to the book. It's oh, yeah. kind of bananas. Well, because the book motivation doesn't make any sense. Even bad parents don't ground you if they think you're suicidal. Like, what? Yeah. Uh, Speaking of that, just because we've had such a good laugh at how badly the film seems to understand the dark web, and honestly, the book as well, I'm going to go with an authentic voice, because don't write hacking if you don't know hacking. Yeah. Is there no consultant you can hire? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I gotta also do my usual good friendship, hollow friendship. So I think mm. the good friendship in the film is with Tommy and V, because even though he clearly does like her, he doesn't turn out to be a cad who is also secretly betraying her and does yeah. help her in the end. And then that's a real plus for team nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm gonna give hollow friendship because I don't buy the relationships at all in the book, but also no. between V and Sydney specifically in the film agreed 100 percent, 100 percent. um yeah that's what i got yeah i think that i agree with you i don't think i have anything else either uh we we had a good run but this is sadly (laughs) not a ya bingo boo you couldn't have given us that notebook (laughs) (laughs) oh boy but honestly i i do appreciate that this was a nice change of pace after some heavier topics you know we had to talk about abortion we talked about school shootings we talked about uh doomed queer romances so this was nice to just be like throw your brain into the wind and get down for the hackathon I really highly recommend the film. Even the last the last 20 minutes, like, it woofs it hilariously. You mm-hmm. will enjoy laughing at the moment when... <laughs> the moment when Tommy goes, the game is open source. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can't. Yeah. yeah, like, so is Moodle. You know what I mean? Like, what mm-hmm. do you mean by that? Um, So that's fine. Um, I do recommend it, but don't bother with the book. It's really beautiful, no. and it, you, there's no payoff at all. There's no redeeming value to that book. I'm sorry. None. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Joe. Yeah. Where are we going next? So we are overdue to watch a TV show, and this is partially my fault. You've asked to get this on the schedule for a very long time, and I keep pushing it back because there's other more pressing things we needed to discuss. (laughs) But we're finally going to check out FX's new TV show, well, new-ish now, Reservation Dogs. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, it, it's good too because I feel like we've started to get back to the point where our land acknowledgement is feeling slightly disingenuous. So I'm very excited to deal front and center with Indigenous content again. Yeah, I am too. I'm really looking forward to it. If you're in Canada, you get it on Disney Plus. So definitely check it out alongside us. I'm really excited. Mm-hmm. And then, Joe, I think we're back in pretty fun territory, at least. We know we love the film, so it's going to be interesting to read the source material, but we're going to do Legally Blonde. I'm stoked Mm -hmm. for this one. Yeah. I didn't actually know it was a book, but I have seen both the movie and Mm -hmm. the musical. So have I, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then folks, if you are reading ahead for Book Club, of course, we are reading The Pig Man by Paul Zindel. So if you want to get your thoughts in, you have until March 24th to let us know what you're thinking. And if you want to do that, book club thoughts are usually long form, so you can find us on email, hkhspod at gmail.com, or if you just want to shout us some short stuff, mm. uh, you can find us on Twitter at hkhspod or on the hashtag hkhspod. Joe, where do they find you if they want to talk to you about the dark web? <laughs> if you want to talk to me about how attractive you find Dave Franco, I can be reached <laughs> at B Stole My Remote, and that's the letter B. Also, Brenna, I realized that we didn't give the shout out to the absolutely hilarious <laughs> James Franco cameo oh, that- <laughs> in the film. <laughs> It's very good. At the beginning of the movie, um, V is reading HuffPo, and the story is, is James Franco really smart? The answer is no. (laughs) (laughs) Also, he's garbage. Brenna, how can people get a hold of you if they want to talk about James Franco? I don't want them to talk about James Franco. They could help me encourage Dave Franco to hand in his final essay. You can find me at Brenna C. Gray on the Twitters. (laughs) He's an actor. He's not scholastic. (laughs) all right gang this honestly go watch the movie it's fun it's on netflix and it'll it'll burn some time and it's a good group watch if Mm -hmm. you want to make fun of the end of a movie together which i always enjoy doing yeah yeah (laughs) all right so until next time folks i will see you on the page and i will see you on the screen And she fails to do it. And that's what kicks her out of the competition. And of course, what ultimately destroys her relationship with Sydney for... B. Or what ultimately destroys... Re- mm. And you mentioned catfish, which is... And you mentioned catfish with... Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs>